WeTime meets MeTime, where magic meets the sea on a Disney cruise. Adults can relax and enjoy dedicated spaces designed just for them. Indulge in a massage at Census Spa or take a dip in Quiet Cove, an adult-exclusive pool. Don't worry, the kids are having some me-time of their own at incredible kids' clubs. And there's amazing we-time, like entertainment, imaginative dining, character encounters, and more around every corner. A magical vacation at sea awaits on Disney Cruise Line. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Expressing our deeper purpose. In this episode, Eckhart discusses our deeper purpose. He emphasizes how important it is for humans to be connected to the kind of higher intelligence that comes from presence. While our careers matter, he says what we do in our work life is secondary to our state of consciousness. He explains there's a vast intelligence underlying the world that we perceive with our senses, and our job is to connect to it. Eckhart believes we are all manifestations of the one great consciousness, emanating like rays of sunlight. So when your attention is in the present moment, then there are many moments when you're not actively doing something, you're just sitting somewhere or standing somewhere or walking. That is a more kind of passive state of presence. And that's very important too. You are the are you the observing presence at this moment as you're sitting on a plane, looking out of the window, on or, or looking at the aisle if you uh, don't have a window seat, and you're sitting there. Now you might say, well, this environment on the plane, you maybe have, you don't have a window seat. It's not particularly inspiring, and this. After you've looked at it for a few minutes, you say, okay, what else is there to look at? Nothing. And then you might get drift off into something else. So it's important to realize there's not just present moment awareness, it's not just the awareness of what is around you. It is more fundamentally the awareness of yourself in that moment. So, so it doesn't, your environment does not need to be particularly interesting. And if it's not interesting, like as it would be if, if you're going out into, into nature, this wonders are all around you. But if it's not particularly interesting, like you're trapped on, you're sitting on a plane or on a bus or wherever, or at the airport, you know, then direct your attention to yourself, this is the essential part, the deeper part of being present, is to be consciously, to realize that you are, not to realize who you are, but to realize that you are, and that is the sense of beingness or presence present within 
when you are conscious of your surroundings, you're present without. Then being conscious of yourself as the presence is being present within, one could say. Both should be operating really at simultaneously, but there may be times when you may close your eyes and then you can sense very strongly that you are, in other words, I am. Not that you are anything, this or that, just I am. That's the key. That's what God called himself, herself, itself. The I am. And as I'm speaking about this now, the important question is, do you realize at this moment what it is that I'm talking about? Thinking has nothing to do with it. If you think you need to understand what I'm saying, you're wrong. You cannot understand it. It's nothing conceptual. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, Register today at thisisils.org. Can you sense the beingness of you, the presence, here and now, which you cannot define in any way, but there's a silent power, one could say, at the center of your being, there's a silent power. That's one way of putting it. It's very still, but it's alive. So the question, who am I, has two answers. The first answer, who am I, is I'm a man or a woman and I'm such and such age, such and such a race, such and such profession, such and such um, physical condition. All those things describe who you are on that level. So when you ask people that question, this, this is what they refer to as I. Who am I? Well, obviously, I'm a so-and-so old, I'm an old white male, in my case. That's my form identity, as people would call me nowadays. Maybe in the past they might have said a wise old man, but now I'm an old white male. <laughs> Doesn't sound very good. But what can you do? 
So that's one answer, and you have different answers, of course, for that. That's who you are. But the second answer, who you are, comes from a deeper place. So if I ask you again then, who are you? But from the deeper place, beyond all the things that, that you just told me about who you are, gender, etc., etc., age, etc., who are you? Now, when the, the second answer to the question, it can come through words, but that's not the real answer. You could say, I am the consciousness, and that is true. But that's still a conceptual answer. The real answer is silence. And in the silence, or stillness, there is a realization of being. So, that is the depth dimension, the deep I. You are both, but the depth dimension is a more fundamental, the only real thing is that. The rest is an insubstantial movement of, a dreamlike movement of fluctuating forms. Another Buddhist monk I talked to, I must have spoken to many Buddhist monks, <laughs> uh, uh, he said, there are no people. What do you mean? He said, no, there are no people, there are only karmic formations. <laughs> so now you know what you are, you are karmic <laughs> formation. That would be the personality, as I call it, with all its attributes. And of course, who you are on that level is determined by the past. You've come, even your body is determined, it goes back hundreds of thousands or a million years of people uh, um, reproducing bodies, one body after another after another, and finally you appear briefly, and then you disappear, and then there's the whole, your whole past, cultural past, genetic past, life past lives, whatever, all that makes up who you are. That's what he meant, karmic formation, that's your whole karma. Karma is the, karma literally means action, but karma is the, the conditioning that you identify with as yourself. And that is the unconscious state. Karma gets perpetuated in the unconscious state. So the same conditions you perpetuate in your lifetime and you transmit it to your children, and you infect other people with your karma, people who are around you. The moment you, you wake up and become aware of your conditioning, which is the person with its characteristics and idiosyncrasies and all the things that make up the person, the moment you become aware of yourself as an ultimately not really being the person, but the awareness that's behind the person. You come to the end of, of karma in the traditional sense, of perpetuation of the stream of unconsciousness, the wheel, 
the, the wheel, that, that then a different dimension enters through that awakening. The karma ends in the present moment when you are able to respond to situations instead of react to situations. Because the way in which you react or respond to a situation is usually determined by the conditioning of your mind, your mental or emotional conditioning. So what happens, what is much more important in your life, people think things that happen to me determine my life. But that's ultimately not true. The way in which you respond to what happens to you determines how you experience your life. So not so much what happens, but how you respond or react to what happens. That determines your life experience. It also determines what happens next, how you deal with the present moment. In the unconscious state, you react to life situations and thereby usually it means any challenge you usually make it worse and you amplify it through your reaction. That is the case with human beings when you have a confrontation with another human being. It's the case with any challenge that anything that happens to you in their life, you contract an illness and then you react, oh my God, it's horrible. Your, your psychological suffering is often far worse than the physical suffering. And then you get old, oh my God. Uh, for many people, this, 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 psychologically, they suffer more than physically. So we can use uh, the two words, react, respond. The way I use them is, react means it's a karmically determined reaction. You react out of the conditioning of your mental emotional field. Response implies that you are present and your action is no longer determined by the mental, emotional conditioning of the person. There is a higher intelligence, one could say, or I call it wisdom, but in other words, there's a higher intelligence that can then operate in your daily life. A higher intelligence, which we could call wisdom. So it's not the conventional intelligence that you can measure in IQ tests. That's a very a limited version of intelligence. There's a higher intelligence that comes in through presence that deals more intelligently w with any situation that arises in your life. That's, that's the only possible way of dealing intelligently is by dealing with the situation through presence. Especially important, of course, in human relationships because there's so much unconsciousness that happens in the interaction between human beings, between two human beings and larger numbers of human beings, and then groups of your collectives of your millions of human beings here and another million there and there. Or this, you can see when you look at politics and affairs and so what's happening in the world, this very little intelligence, the way they deal with things. <laughs> and you would be, you are amazed. How can they be so short-sighted and 
ultimately have to use a simple word, stupid. Uh, but these people have degrees, they have university degrees. How can they be so stupid? Well, they only activated a very limited version of intelligence that you can measure in IQ tests. That's not enough. I'm sorry, I don't want to offend anybody who has a very high IQ <laughs> uh, or is a member of this, there's an organization called Mensa, I believe. So if you have a very IQ, you can be a member of that and that's good for your identity, of course. So I don't want to take anything away from you, but there is, that is not real intelligence. It's a, yes, it's a form of intelligence, but it's a relatively low form of intelligence. A much higher intelligence comes in through presence, and that is lacking in the world. There are, occasionally you see, very rarely you see a politician, actually you can see, oh, this person has some real intelligence and insights. And it's usually not the people who are running things. It's, if, if it's a politician, it's usually somebody who's been pushed to the periphery of politics, uh, and from there he used to see comments on the stupidity of what's happening in, uh, in the world. Uh, I've observed it it's, um, in different countries, a similar phenomenon. There are a few people here and there who, ha who can see clearly where we are going and what we're doing. It, it's crazy. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. There is a lack of this higher intelligence that is beyond the egoic mind. And um, at the moment, it doesn't look good because we are going. When, uh, <laughs> uh, I was going to use that weird expression about the hand basket again. <laughs> so you can see it. Now it's important when you look at the state of the world. Um, it's important that you, don't, you do not enter a reactive mode because that will draw you into unconsciousness. If you also, if you watch too much television or current affairs, you will be drawn into uh, most likely unconsciousness. 
unless you watch it as an an anthropological study of how misguided humanity can be. So you need to stay present while you look at all this and see what's happening. Question may arise, shouldn't I be doing something to, well, there may be something you can do, bring some sanity into this world, perhaps through saying something, speaking out, pointing out something, not creating enemies. If you see people are deluded in what they say or do, don't make them into enemies and attack them and say, you are totally crazy. It may be that the, what they do maybe and probably is dysfunctional and stupid or the, the opinions they hold may be extremely misguided and irrational. So you can, you can address the opinions that they hold, their mental positions, and point out the irrationality and so on, without making the people who hold their opinion into enemies. So don't equate the mental positions that people hold with who they essentially are. You can speak out, maybe you can post something on one of the many platforms that are available, something that is sane rather than insane. Perhaps you can post something that points out the insanity of it all. Some people do that, so that's a good thing. Now, because some people may suddenly say, oh yes, that's true. So higher intelligence comes in and that can then deal with situations and that's the end of karma. What humanity is doing now collectively is karma playing itself out, the movement of unconsciousness. And so with reference to individuals, we talked about responsibility. Can you, can you hold a person responsible for what they do if they are unconscious, if they are in the grip of their, their mental-emotional conditioning? That is part, that's their karma. Can you hold a karmic formation person? Can you hold a karmic formation responsible for what they do? <laughs> Not really. So there's a deep wisdom in what Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgiveness means the realization that they are not responsible, they cannot do otherwise. But we also, and this also applies to the collective, what all the, the politicians are doing and so on. They don't, they don't, don't know any better, they are in the grip of egoic reactivity and short-sightedness that comes with it and so on. But as is the case with individuals, although they may not be and are not, cannot be held responsible and yet they have to suffer the consequences of their unconscious. This is how humans ultimately awaken. They are not responsible, but they still have to, they create suffering for themselves and others and through the suffering that's created by the unconsciousness, 
an awakening happens. So in other words, the ego is necessary for the awakening to happen. The ego ultimately self-destructs. It has built into it a self-destruct function. <laughs> the, that is ultimate wisdom. Uh, so that also applies to the collective. Already, if you look at the 20th century, the wars that happened and the internal conflicts in countries that happened, the countless millions upon millions killed by other humans, what they did, the terrible suffering, this is all the movement of unconsciousness. They don't know what they do. And then they suffer, humanity suffers and suffers and suffers. Through the suffering, gradually, an awakening happens. So the, the, the ego's dysfunction creates suffering, and ultimately the suffering acts as an awakener. <laughs> it's just a question of how much longer is the suffering going to go? And what's the next stage, you may ask, in the, on the scale of collective suffering? I don't know, but it doesn't look good at the moment. <laughs> but you are here to represent, to embody the higher intelligence. I mean, hopefully you don't make that into a mental concept. I embody the higher intelligence. <laughs> It is true, but it should not become a mental concept that you identify with. <laughs> and so the sanity, you embody the sanity in a world that is still predominantly, one has to say, insane in many ways. Not all of it is insane, but a lot of it, some important parts are insane. So let's then see what the, whatever comes is, may be bad from a lower perspective, doesn't look good, but ultimately everything happens in the service of the evolution of consciousness, even in your own life. And if it's, it applies in your own life, it also applies to the collective of humanity. So don't allow yourself to get drawn into these dysfunctional states that are associated with ego, for example, fear and anxiety. And the other would be anger or despair or another very dangerous and dysfunctional state is called nihilism or nihilism which is the sense that it's all completely pointless. One could slip into that. There are many millions of humans these days who are in a nihilistic state where the whole world does not make sense and everything is pointless, whatever I do is pointless. They see things are not going well in the world, what's the point of it all? It's all meaningless. Nihilism is particularly, particularly started in the 19th century when the notion that there is um, a purpose disappeared when Darwin discovered the fact of evolution, but 
uh, unfortunately, the misinterpretation was that evolution is entirely random. There is absolutely no guiding intelligence behind it at all. It's a random process. By chance, atoms and molecules come together and after billions of years, we appear and Beethoven's Ninth Symphony suddenly appears out of nowhere <laughs> through the accidental coming together of atoms and molecules. It's all meaningless, absolutely meaningless. Or as the Old Testament prophet said in the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Vanity, the old meaning of the word is pointlessness. It's all pointless. That, that book somehow got into the Bible, I don't know how, but <laughs> it's wonderful literature, but not particularly inspiring, but great to read. So that's nihilism, the, the idea that there's no purpose behind, there's nothing, nothing behind the phenomena that we see. There's no deeper intelligence. That's probably what Nietzsche was talking about when he talked in the 19th century, God is dead, that insight. And then he wrote about what that means, what repercussions it have. And he saw, he saw that at an early stage. He saw that it would result in widespread nihilism. So the dysfunctional states then, fear, anxiety, anger, nihilism. That means there's still, you don't see things clearly and deeply enough, then you, and you haven't gone deep enough within yourself, then you experience a fear, you experience anxiety, and all those things. It's, it's strange that I have observed in this country and some other countries, the reaction to the pandemic, one could almost divide it, the collective reaction into two camps. One camp says, this is so very, really dangerous, we need to be very, very careful and to everything, we're anxious and fearful. Oh, this is, of course it is dangerous, but fearful. The other camp says, you're overblowing the whole thing, it's an overreaction, we should, all these things, they just want to control us, all these things, be brave, just step out, go outside, all this is, the mandates are pointless and, and controlling, and so you have these, so they, and they get angry about it. The others are fearful. <laughs> and then the two camps dislike each other very much. <laughs> and the fearful ones then get angry on top because the others are the others are not fearful, they're angry and then they're angry with them. It's <laughs> so you represent, you embody the sanity in this world, you have to, and it's a challenge. But that, uh, that, that is the purpose of your life, so, talking about nihilism, that's the opposite, is the realization of how important you are, not conceptually, don't go there, you, how important your consciousness is. 
in this world. How important it is for this world, for human beings to be sane, uh, connected to the deeper or higher intelligence in this world. That is your purpose in life, no matter that's your deeper purpose. Your outer purpose is whatever you do in your work situation, in your life situation. It, it's, it matters to some extent, but it does not matter absolutely. It matters, but not absolutely. There's only one thing that matters absolutely, and that is your state of consciousness, your connectedness with being, embodying presence. So in other words, what you do is secondary, but how you do what you do is primary. The how refers to the state of consciousness that underlies what you do. The what is secondary, the how is primary. So there is an intelligence, a vast intelligence that underlies the phenomenal world that we perceive with our senses. Even Einstein said that very strongly. He could sense that very strongly. Uh, I don't have the actual quote in my head. I wish I did, but he said he was aware of that. He acknowledged that. That's why he had a connectedness with it and why deep inspiration came to him. He was a great thinker, but the, the realizations of theory and relativity and so on, they came to him, that came to him. So there is a vast intelligence underneath it all that is the intelligence that is, uh, operates in you. There's only one, not many. There's not my consciousness or your consciousness. We are manifestations of the one consciousness. Like rays of sunlight. And with that, let's just have a brief silence, stillness. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner, too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor... 
State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.